Oh, God is good. Let's put our hands together unto the Lord. God, you are in this place. Jesus, you are mighty and strong. God, you are in this place. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am thankful for the touch of the Holy Ghost. Pastor nailed it on the head. There is a witness of the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm going to say none of us, none of us young men that spoke today had any conversation with each other as far as I know about what we were going to preach, but God is in this place and he has orchestrated. Uh, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 2. While you do that, I'd like to give special honor to my pastor and my pastor's wife. I love you guys and respect you. I am incredibly grateful for the honor to stand behind this sacred desk, which I feel has been the source of any, any good thing that's in my life. has been from my pastor and from the lovely sense of Cornerstone. I love my beautiful wife. And I'm thankful for your prayers, your support, and your love for me. I love you. Um, if you found Genesis chapter number 2, we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Amen. For the remainder of my time here today, I'd like to preach a simple sermon entitled The Garden. If you would, please put your Bibles down and lift your hands and pray with me for the remainder of this service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. As I just read in your hearing tonight in Genesis chapter 2, and you may be seated, Genesis chapter 2 contains not only the beginning of the life in the universe as we know it with the animals, but it's also the creation of the first family. This is important because the same principles that God outlined in Genesis chapter 2 to guide that family are the same principles that have now become the standard for which God inspects our families today. And I'd like to note that the first environment that God created family in was in a garden. Everyone in this place has a garden that we call our home. If you live alone or with a house full of children, whether you realize it or not, you have a garden, and your garden is your responsibility. We know that Adam, he, he ultimately failed in his responsibility to keep and to tend his garden, which was the commandment given by God when he let Satan into his garden. I honestly don't feel like it's, it's my place or my mission here tonight to preach about what we should keep out of our home, as Brother Nate did. However, I would like to preach something that God has laid on our heart, on my heart. What I'd like to talk about it tonight is the fact that in order to sustain life, a garden must bring forth fruit. Fruit that is fit for consumption is needed for the survival of our families. If we expect to feed them, we must follow the word of God and intentionally both keep and dress our gardens. I feel that it's important to remind us tonight that just because Christians live in the home does not make it a Christian home. There must be an effort behind it if we expect to promote and facilitate godly lifestyles in our children. Most importantly, in order to bring forth fruit, though many aspects are involved, we must plant seed. 
Multiple times in the word of God, the mature saint is likened to the sower, one who plants seed in hope of a later return. This poses the question in my mind, what seed should I be planting in my garden? The answers are numerous and varied. We could spend time on a variety of subjects, including prayer, the fruits of the spirit, church attendance, being involved in the work of God through Bible studies, through involvement in the church. But you know what? God has laid on my heart something special that I feel every one of us should make an effort to put into our homes. He's, he didn't just suggest it. He didn't just say it was a good idea. He commanded very specifically to not abandon the word of God in our homes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thine strength. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. In the New, in the New Testament, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I've come to preach tonight that the word of God is able to save your home and change your family. Amen. 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 I know, I know that there are many families represented in this place. Many gardens are represented in this place. But God has an answer for you in his word. Some of us, perhaps in your home, you have unsaved souls living with you. Perhaps loved ones around you. Children, siblings, spouses even. I know I have unsaved siblings. The word of God says in Psalms chapter 19, this is a promise. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. My God, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's the promise of the word of God. If you've lost the joy in your home, if all you can see is darkness, the next verse says, the statutes of the Lord are right. His word rejoices the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. God's word works, and it will save. It will save the soul. It converts our souls. It brings wisdom and light to your eyes. It gives joy to the sorrowful heart in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. My God, the word of God is a sure foundation. It is everlasting. Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Jesus in Luke 21, 33 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In Job chapter 23, verse 12, Job is a witness in the middle of his trials. At the worst point, he says, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That is what kept him alive in the times of distress and despair. It's the word of God. Amen. David says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Amen. I would echo the words of Jeremiah. Thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me. When consumed, it was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Amen. You know, 
the, the garden, I just, we just started our garden. And we're being careful, very careful on what we put into our garden. Two days ago, there was something that we felt we could do without. And I hate to use myself as, as an example, but it's, it's what I know. And we, we, it was not sinful. It was a household item that took up too much of our time. We got it out. And we put the word of God back in its place. You know, because it matters. It matters in the mind. It matters in the mind. And I know a lot of us here today, myself included, I've, we've been battling in our minds and our homes. We call it stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. We prayed, fasted. The thoughts still come around. God has the remedy. He gave us the cure. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 13, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. Amen. It, my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherefore I sent it. So I encourage you, I exhort you, make the word of God the focus of your home. Don't go a day without speaking the word into the atmosphere. Write it on the posts of your house. Speak of it when you rise and when you lie down. Speak it to your children. You know, in closing, I'd like to read from 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer tonight is that someone would get a hold on this message and receive a revelation that this is the hope of the gospel, the word of God. In doing these things, we gather to ourselves both faith and hope of salvation, not only for ourselves, but for the salvation of our children and our world. God bless you. In Jesus' name.